Okay, Robbie. So, what are you drinking over there? So right now I'm having the uh, the missile IPA out of Charlottesville, Virginia, Champion Brewing Company. Boo! And um, I went I went into it without any preconceived notions other than you know just hatred for UVA, and it's not very good. I got to be honest. It's it's not it's not. I mean, it's not bad, but it's really not anything I would write home about. And certainly not as good as I've already kind of pre-tested my next beer, I think, is a lot better. So uh, Charlottesville, once again, comes up a little bit lackluster. How about you? What are you, what are you okay, up to? Okay, well, I've got, the, um, I've got the Titan IPA. No. I, did I drink this last time? I can't even remember. I now. don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay. <laughs> it's the Titan IPA. It's from, uh, I think this is why. It's from Great Divide Brewing Company. And I think we've had a Great Divide beer or something like that at some point. Um, but it's an IPA, obviously, and it's 7.1% alcohol. And it definitely drinks like a double IPA. It's strong, It's but it's, it's tasty. I like it. And um, it's from Great Divide Brewing Company, and that is um, Denver, Colorado. Well, see, so I, I feel like we, we had, had the Great Divide. So that's the interesting part. Okay. We had the Great Divide beer, which was out of uh, Richmond. Um, I can't remember the brewing company down there, but that, that was, it was Hardywood. 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 The Hardywood Great Divide is what we've had. So now we've had the Great Divide Brewing Company beer and Great Divide beer from Hardywood. All right, so let's jump into Duke, and we were kind of dragging ass a little bit on the uh, on our other previews, maybe maybe a little too much detail for our listeners, but let's see if we can't speed it up a little bit. Duke is the ninth game of the season. They were eight and five last year, four and four in the ACC, and this game is back on a Saturday, on November fifth. They return eleven starters and their quarterback Thomas Sirk, but we'll talk about that in a second. And on defense, they returned five starters. They're Athlon's 53rd-ranked team, and uh, Phil Steele didn't have them in their top 57, so I'm, I'm not – didn't have them in the top 57, so I don't know if he has them both eligible or not. This is probably going to be a little bit of a rebuilding year for Duke. They've been to four straight bowls and just won their first postseason game since 1961 or something last year, but they've got a pretty tough schedule. They go to Northwestern, to Notre Dame, to Louisville, to Pitt, and to Miami, and they also play UNC. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough year for the Dukies, and I couldn't be happier about that because I'm tired of them overachieving at football. They're supposed to be good at basketball only, and it's kind of pissed kind of pisses me off. One thing that's helping that is they lost Scotty Montgomery as their OC. He became the head coach at ECU, which we talked about in our last pod. But they've definitely got some question marks. Let's uh, let's jump into their offense. Yeah, I think you know. First of all, they're coming off a pretty bad end to last year. The wheels really fell off uh, after that game against us in overtime. They dropped four of their last six, four or five in ACC play. QB is going to be the biggest question here. Thomas Sirk ruptured his Achilles. I can't get a read anywhere that I look on whether he's going to ever be back and whether, you know, this game's a little bit later in the season. Sounds like it's probably going to be Parker uh, Bohm. He had his, you know, had his first start 
maybe a couple of the redshirt freshmen chomping at his heels. Basically, the QB position here is in trouble unless Cirque uh, comes back, who who did some damage against us last year. He certainly did. Uh, <laughs> he had 250, 270 passing yards and four touchdowns and then 109 rushing yards. In, the, in a game against us. So if he doesn't play, I consider that a huge win. Like you mentioned, Bo- Boheem, or however you pronounce it, he's a little bit smaller than Cirque. He looks like he'll be in line to start. But since this is the ninth game of the year, maybe Cirque will play. We really don't know. I would say if Cirque's in there, even though they have a new OC, I would still expect a lot of the same uh, QB run sets and that kind of thing because he's so effective at it. Uh, he led the team in rushing last year, Cirque did, with 803 yards and eight touchdowns. They also have some pretty good running backs to go along with him. They got the talented Jayla Duncan. He's 5'10", 210, which is a pretty solid back. He had nearly uh, 500 yards, almost seven yards a carry. They don't use him out of the backfield too much, but Sean Wilson, uh, junior running back, 5'9", 180, they, they, he catches a little bit more. He had 207 yards receiving as well as 424 yards rushing. So they got some good weapons at running back. Their wide receivers last year were a problem. Just like Miami, I know you remember Max McCaffrey tearing us a new one, especially in overtime, that last touchdown. They lost a couple of those guys, uh, they, and as well as uh, Janelle Barnes. He was dismissed from the team. But they still have TJ Roming. Uh, he had almost 600 yards. Uh, not a not a big guy, only uh, 5'10", 165. But the big guy, Anthony Nash, is also back. And he had 475 yards and a touchdown last year. I think I covered all the bases in terms of offensive talent. Is there anything you wanted to say otherwise about their offense? Anything that worries you? No, a little bit more worried about their wide receiving core. But then again, that you know is going to be dictated about whether Cirque comes back or not. At running back... You know, Cirque being your leading rusher, he wasn't exactly Michael Vick. So, you know, I think somebody else getting over 600 yards probably would have been achievable. And then Shaquille Powell, he he left. He's gone. Um, so it seems, just like you said, Sean Wilson will probably get the nod. So, uh, you know, I think Anthony Nash and, uh, and uh, TJ Roming are probably the two that I'm more concerned about than anything else. Yeah, they, they do have a okay uh, tight end in Eric Schneider. Uh, he had three touchdowns last year. And in terms of their O-line, they have an all-ACC right tackle in Casey Blazer, but not much else. Uh, I think Phil Steele had them as the 81st offensive line coming into this year. So offense could be a little bit of a work in proge- progress, especially with the new OC. In terms of the defense, most importantly, they lost Jeremy Cash. And I wrote, whew, Thank next goodness. to that, W-H-E-W. Yes. 18 tackles for loss last year for that guy. That will be missing from their defense. Uh, despite the loss of cash, they still have some options at safety. Uh, Corbin, McCarthy, Saxton, Singleton, those are probably your two starters, and Feemster and Hayes. They've got good depth at sta- safety. And two pretty solid corners in Devon Edwards and Breon Borders, both guys that played against us last year. Uh Borders with 39 solo tackles last year as a cornerback, which is is quite a hefty amount. In terms of the front seven, it's not as deep or talented. They they have Tanash uh, Barry, I think it's pronounced, 
at linebacker, but they really need some other guys to step up. Uh, what do you think about their defensive line? I think you know they lose their top tackler, Dwayne Norman. He's out. I think that linebacker position is still in flux on defense. Their defensive, you know, their defensive line is going to have some trouble this year. They only return one real starter, AJ Wolf. The rest have played a bit, but not really been proven. Um, that four-two-five in the safety position is going to be critical, quite honestly. And they lose, obviously, Jeremy Cash, as you said. But they return four other starters there, so I feel like their backfield is going to be better. I think their front, their front seven is going to be a bit, uh, or really front six is going to be a bit of a problem for them. And we'll see how it shakes out. You know, the real question is, you know, overall, what is David Cutcliffe? He's he's shown a propensity to make a lot out of nothing, and we'll see what he does. You know, this year overall. Yeah, I think I need to mention their special teams as well, mainly because of Devon Edwards at kick returner. He had three kick return touchdowns last year, one of which was that pretty wacky one against Miami. But he was sixth nationally in yards per kick return. So he's damn good. That's something to definitely look out for. And over, But overall, I do agree with you. Could be a tough year for Duke, especially defensively. Like They'll be better on the back end, like you mentioned. But they're going to struggle against the run. I think they have enough weapons to score in some shootouts. And Duke has been in a bunch of shootouts the last few seasons. They've been, they've, including the four overtime one against us. They've had some fun games. That bowl game against Texas A&M. There was a, a pick game a few years ago where both quarterbacks threw for like 500 yards. Um, Cirque is the big question. Yep. Will he be healthy? Will he be able to play? But I think their backup is going to be decent. I think I think Parker Boheme could be decent. Um, in that in their offense because of the weapons they have still at their disposal. So I do think we're going to beat Duke this year, uh, which will be nice because uh, they beat us two out of the last three years, I think it is. But, um, but they're going to be dangerous. Like you said, Cutcliffe has a propensity for making something out of nothing. But I think this is going to be a down year for Duke. I agree. I have, I have this as a W for the Hokies. All right, let's move on to GT. Last year, GT went 3-9, and 1-7 in the ACC. Their only win against Florida State, pretty much an inexplicable win that ended in dramatic fashion, the blocked field goal. They missed a bowl game for the first time in 18 seasons. Um, and so CPJ, I would say, could be on the hot seat if they don't go to a bowl this year. And that's definitely possible because their offensive line – which was pretty atrocious for an option offense last year. I'm not sure it's going to be a whole lot better. I think overall this team is a complete crapshoot. I have no idea after. So where they go? They went nine and three, and then three and nine. Is that how it ended up playing out? I know they went to the Orange Bowl and they beat Mississippi State. I think they might end up with ten, 10 wins last so the year. Before. Ten and yeah, okay, ten and. Ten and two, and then go three and nine. And a lot of people were picking them to unanimously win the coastal last year, and then they laid a goose egg. I, I, you know, I don't think Paul Johnson knows what you know is coming out on the field and on any given day. Justin Thomas, we all know he's talented. He's generally solid in this type of offense. That's why he was recruited to go there. Um, but you know, most people thought last year he lost complete confidence, especially in his offensive line. He didn't have a single game with a hundred yards 
rushing last season, which is you know a key part of <laughs> a key part of the triple option offense. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's probably uh, one of the bigger parts. Um, as you would anticipate, you know their their offensive line was was garbage. So um, that that position we'll see at offensive line is going to be tough again. They get Chris Gridden back at right guard. They need a pair of sophomores at right and left tackle that step up that are kind of young. Uh, and then the A and B backs are can be equally as important as as Thomas is. They have sophomore Lynch coming back. Um, he had like nine and a half on 49 carries. And then at B-back, they got Clinton Lynch, who showed some promise. Uh, or sorry, they have um, Marcus Marshall. But, you know, I think the run game should be improved. It can't be any you know worse, obviously, than it was. And it was actually pretty down than it has been historically. But, you know, it's really a question mark on what's going to show up on the field next year. I do know that Justin Thomas is an absolute athlete. And, you know, with the right supporting cast and a decent offensive line, they can do some damage. Yeah, you said it best when you said this team's a crapshoot because any given year you feel like if you, if they get the right chemistry, which is so important a triple op, option offense, they could win the ACC. Um, ju- by the fact that they beat Georgia and then beat Mississippi State, two SEC teams, in a matter of weeks uh, two years ago. But last year, 256 rushing yards per game was the lowest ever under Coach Paul Johnson. Is that the ACC starting to figure out CPJ, or was it just a fluke in that uh, they just didn't have the chemistry last year? I- I'm not sure, but I do like their A-backs and B-backs, like you mentioned, Lynch and Marshall. Uh, they also have Willis and Marcus Allen, uh, respectively, as A and B-backs as well. And they have a decent wide receiver in Ricky June. You know, He had 520 yards and four touchdowns, which for a leading Georgia Tech receiver is pretty good. I... This this team's a wild card. They're a crapshoot, wild card, whatever you want to say. Offensively. Defensively, Ted Roof is back running the defense. Uh, he pretty much runs a four two five, which is becoming the norm in college football these days. And they had a putrid pass rush last year. They only had 14 sacks. It was 120th in college football. And they lost Gotstis at defensive tackle, which is a huge loss. But they're going to be a little bit deeper overall across the defensive line. Patrick Gamble's legit. Uh, the other names you don't really need to know. But in a three-four or a four, sorry, in a four-two-five defense, you know, their their DBs are are going to be important, especially going up against a Fuente offense. And they're young in the back. I think they they should be a little bit worried. Their defensive back position is a frightening situation. So depending on where you look at, they have one re- returning starter, maybe three if people are being a little bit um a little bit, you know, more lenient with their their position on that. So I think I think the backfield is going to be serious trouble for them. I think overall, you know, in the years that there's a lot of hype, Paul Johnson underperforms, and then the years that there are hype, they shit the bed, quite frankly. So, exactly. exactly. So, you know, I suspect this is not going to be a three and nine team this year. I I can't imagine. Although I'd love to get Paul Johnson out of the ACC and you know keep keep players healthy in the ACC. But uh, you know, what do I think? Uh, I think this is going to be a win for Virginia Tech. I think that their defensive backs 
are going to open up a lot of opportunity for us. They don't bring a lot on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, you can say a lot of things about the triple option. It's very potent. You know, it moves the ball. It, you know, it, it really fatigues the defense over the course of the game. But it's not high scoring, generally. It's a slow-the-game-down type, you know, uh, offense. And Fuente is going to be running the opposite on the other side of the ball. Yeah, they. It's going to be rough defensively. Losing those three seniors in the defensive backfield is going to be. It's going to be hard to overcome. They've got good talent at running back. Lots of options. The O line. Uh, Phil still has them tied with Duke as the 81st O line in terms of starts coming back, but they're not going to be very good again. The defense is going to be poor against the pass. Okay against the rush, and. If I had to put a number on it, I'd say seven wins is probably going to be a good season for them. Yep. I wouldn't see it much higher than seven wins. I think this is a win for us since it is in Blacksburg. And Bud Foster has that offense figured out a little bit to me. So. Agreed. Agreed. So let's jump into pro- – I don't know if this is my second most anticipated game. It might actually be my first because it's at Touchdown, Touchdown Jesus. So that's kind of exciting. So – yeah, I, I, I'm I pumped about this one. Uh, game 11 at Notre Dame. Uh, it's going to be great. I, I intend on going. I think that you're thinking about you going. You better go. I, yeah, we're, I'm going. <laughs> so I've, I've made. Um, I, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's funny. Unlike Pitt, the more I reviewed this game, the more I got excited that we might have a chance to win. I don't know if that's how you felt or not, but we'll talk about that at the end, I suppose. Notre Dame finished 11th in the AP poll last year. They went 10 and three overall, six and zero at home, and two and three against the AP top 25. They lost a lot of starters, uh, depending on where you look, whether it's Athlon or Phil Steele. They only have eight or ten returning starters, and are they're very low on the uh, the Connolly, which is experience rank, which Bill Connolly does for SP Nation. 110th in terms of experience production coming back. So it could be a little bit of a rebuilding process for Notre Dame early in the season, but they're still a consensus top 10 team according to the magazines. They're coming in right at 8 or 9 or 10 or 11. So people still think they're going to be good, and if anything showed that last year, it was all the injuries they had to deal with and the fact that they just kept kicking ass every week it seemed last year so maybe they do have a stocked cupboard of all those recruits they've been getting over the years and they're just ready to replenish they don't need a lot of returning starters but i think it's tough to repeat that type of luck i'll put it in air quotes um offensively what should we be looking for I think offensively, well, to take a step back on your, you know, the depth is usually what keeps this team intact. Like, you know, last year, you know, they come in and I think, you know, that bodes well a little bit for VT. If we can eat into that depth, they're going to have a bruising schedule like they always do as an independent. You know, they do not set themselves up for an easy schedule. They have Texas, MSU, Stanford, and Miami. They have USC coming up for them the following week after us, so there's the potential for a look ahead on that side. That then again, it's at home, and that's a tough place to play. Uh, I think most have Deshaun Kaiser uh, under center and beating out Malik Zaire. That that is a quarterback 
battle that anybody in the whole nation, regardless of where you are, would take. Those two are rock stars. Zaire had the starting job last year before the season-ending injury to his ankle. This year, the Irish come back. They have kind of a known quantity with Kaiser. They had 10 wins last season, despite not being the starting quarterback going in. Basically, they're putting out one of the best and probably deepest QB squads in the entire nation. Uh, that's not going to be a positive for us. Um, but hopefully, now we're at an 11th game in the season, we've developed some linebacker depth, and we've kind of solidified what's happening on you know defensive back, um, assuming no injuries. So I think um, on offense, we could be in trouble. Their, their O-line loses a lot. They got three highly touted um, starters that are, are all gone this year. I think if you look at the left side of their line, that could be trouble for us, um, and that could cause a lot of problems. They have returners uh, in McGilchey and Nelson, and I think that could be that could spell you know trouble for our defensive line and seeing what happens there in order to get pressure on you know either Kaiser or Zaire, and their running back talent is strong even though ProSize who is a rock star put up 1100 yards 11 TDs last year I think Josh Adams will probably get the nod here he put up 900 last year and six TDs so not falling that far behind so I think the offense for this team is going to be relatively potent um, and probably a little bit of trouble for us. And then you lose Will Fuller, which is a huge loss. That guy that guy was really a rock star for them. You know, I liken this quarterback situation that they're going through a little bit to Ohio State in that they've got this embarrassment of riches. You know, Ohio State had JT Barrett and Braxton Miller and Cardale Jones, and they've got Kaiser and Malik Zaire, and there's another guy, Brandon Wimbush, who might even be the most talented of the three, who's also in the mix. Now he 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 isn't really being talked about to, to start, but it, it's it's crazy the quarterback talent they have at Notre Dame right now. It'll probably be Kaiser, but I wouldn't be surprised if Zaire ended up being the guy either. He's he's older. Uh, he was the starter before Kaiser uh, before he went down. So it, I I don't really know what to expect, and I think that's going to be a battle all through. Fall practice, as you mentioned. Fol- Terry and Falston's a guy who had nearly 900 yards in 2014 and missed uh, the entire season last year. Uh, but he's a, he can really play at running back as well. Him and Adams are going to be a duo at running back. And then in terms of wide receiver, the loss of Fuller can't be overstated. That's probably one of the reasons that Kaiser was able to be so successful overall, though Kaiser kind of has a calming uh you know, force about him that just he's good in all situations anyway. I'm not trying to knock him, but losing Will Fuller, it, it's bad. Um, they have Torrey Hunter Jr., son of the famous baseball player. He had 363 yards and two touchdowns last year, and they have some big young weapons uh, and and also some very odd names in Equanimous St. Brown, Alizé Jones, Miles Boykin uh, at wide receiver. These are all guys that may step up, but – the offense is in a good position right now. The the one standout offensive lineman and and Nelson, like you mentioned, that that worries me a little bit. I think the offensive line could take a step back, but uh, they still have solid weapons and they they've been recruiting their butts off and they they've got athletes to put out there on the field in, in terms of 
the skill positions. So I think it's going to be a pretty good offense for sure. They also have uh, you know Corey Robinson, which is David Robinson's son, for another professional athlete's son. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so they are they're stacking up the the name brand recognition, obviously on on that side of the ball. Defensively, they lost a ton of talent, including Jalen Smith, who was your all-world, maybe top five, number one NFL draft pick if he doesn't get hurt in that Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. And that is one of the saddest stories because apparently that knee injury was just completely devastating and no one ever, no one really knows if he'll be the same. And now I can't even root for him because he got picked by the Cowboys, I think. So it's just the worst of all, everything. That's but so, anyway. so bad. <laughs> I, no, I, seriously, There's, I felt so bad for – I mean – No, it, it was like, awful. It's an awful thing that happened mm-hmm. to him. They're still strong defensively, especially across the line. It may or may not be their best unit, but Tillery at defensive tackle, he has a lot of hype. My, my cousin went to Notre Dame and him and his buddies uh, have talked about Tillery a ton. Uh, Isaac Rochelle's kind of the vet of the group. He had seven and a half tackles for loss and 63 tackles overall from the, the defensive end position. And they got some guys in Cage and Trump, Cage and Trumbetti, who are younger guys who will probably step up. A really interesting name that I noticed from looking through some articles is Jaron Jones, who's a 6'5", 315-pound defensive tackle. He was a beast a couple years ago. But he keeps getting hurt. He got hurt before the season last year. But he is an N- absolute NFL talent from everything that I've read. Uh, it's just a question of him being able to stay healthy. But their defense last year for Notre Dame was 79th in sacks. So they have some room for improvement. And with the loss of uh, Jalen Smith, like I expect that that to uh, their production to go even further down. Yeah, we're not as familiar with Notre Dame as we would be if they were a full member in the ACC, but this team reloads, and especially on defensive. The linebacker position is always solid for, for Notre Dame almost year in, year out, um, going back to the uh, the catfishing days. And, yeah, <laughs> and defensive back, I think, is going to be... It's kind of an unexperienced group. I think that's another hole that they have. They have, you know, Cole Luke... Uh, leading the charge there, but I think that's one area that we might have a little bit of an advantage. But you know, they they recruit so well on year in year out that it's going to be difficult to tell. And they have a lot of talent that's been injured and otherwise that they're going to be getting back this year, and we'll see how that shakes out. On our <clears throat> failed recruiting pitch all stars roster, I think Niles Morgan is one of those guys. Um, not sure if you remember that name or not, but he is going to be there. New Mike linebacker taking over for Jalen Smith, I, I assume. Uh, no, actually, no, for uh, Schmidt uh, in the middle. And he is highly, highly touted. So we'll see what uh, Morgan and An Wualu can do at Mike and Sam linebacker. They had a bunch of hurt and underperforming guys in 2015 at defensive back. Uh, they could be a solid group if they stay healthy, but... Otherwise, their defensive backfield's kind of an unknown. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Yeah, I mean, I think they only have one, one, one experienced guy coming back, and you know, as I mentioned, it was Cole Luke. And other than that, they're gonna have to they have to grow up quick, I think, and or at least get back healthy quick. 
overall, and I'll I'll kick it off to get to our, my summary at least. My initial read of this game was just an outright loss. I, you know, just hearing everything on the radio, you see rankings, all of those sorts of things, and I thought that we didn't really have a chance. Then I dug in a little bit, as you know, you said you did. I think this game really depends on obviously our defense. I think that. Eleven games in, if Fuente figures out who he has and who he doesn't have on our our offensive side of the ball and kind of puts a scheme together, it really comes down to whether Bud can make the most of the what he has and doesn't have, for that matter. And I don't see that much on the defensive side of the ball. Understanding that they're re- returning people that have been injured and that we haven't seen on the field, that makes me think that we can't put you know points on the board. And their secondary, I think, is probably the weakest position that they have. And I think that may be a strength for us uh, going to the season with Bucky and Isaiah Ford. So I'm, I'm chalking it up as an L, but I think that this could be a lot closer game than, you know, back when we were looking at it at the 20,000-foot level, what it, what it seemed to be, you know, before you dig into the actual um, – you know what's gonna who's gonna be lined up against what? I'll put it this way: if this game were being played in Blacksburg, I would have huge upset potential. You know, written all over it. It just there is something about the way this this roster breaks down for Notre Dame that yes, they could have more standout performances next year, but I. I feel like these things usually regress to the mean and they had so many crazy years from Kaiser or Smith or you know that that defensive backfield stepping their game up uh Procise having an awesome year I just feel like and and this and this would go against things that I would say about Dabo because Dabo just keeps proving it again and again we'll see if Kelly can prove it again and again with these guys I don't expect them to get to 10 wins. Nine is very probable for Notre Dame. The defense will be considerably weaker. Uh, the offense won't be as explosive without Fuller, and they'll have a worse O-line than they did last year. I think they're going to lose their games and shootouts. I think that's really what it's going to be about. They're, they're going to be competing aggressively with every team they play, but I think they'll lose closely uh, in a couple games. And against us, I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I th- I think it's not going to be one of those games where you finish watching it and you're like, what did I just watch? That was awful football. It is going to be fun football. We're going to see points go up. Uh, we're going to see a battle of two QBs and skill players. It's going to be fun. And I, I'm going to say it's a loss right now, but man, I, I think we're going to compete with Notre Dame. I think it's going to be a fun game. Agreed. Let's get into the uh, the quickest conversation. Yes, the last and final game of the season against, as it always is, against the UVA Cavaliers, who went four and eight last year in their last season under Mike London, and three and five in the ACC. They returned twelve starters, and they are Athlon's seventy second ranked team. Phil Steele's sixty fifth ranked team in his power poll. So. They've got a new coach in Bronco Mendenhall who has been to 11 consecutive bowls with BYU, which is really, really impressive. And 
if anyone can get UVA back to uh, respectable contention, I think Mendenhall is one of those guys. I, I think it's it was a really good hire for UVA. Um, I don't think it's as good as the Fuente hire, but I think it's good. And Athlon, they were listed as 10 returning starters. Phil Steele was 12. Uh, but they're going to have solid experience returning. If you look at the Connolly ranking, it was at 45. If you look at the Phil Steele experience ranking, it was at 34th. They've got a lot of production coming back. They have to go to Oregon, to Georgia Tech, and to Blacksburg. But the schedule is manageable, and I think that UVA is going to be kind of sneaky dangerous this year, as much as I hate to say it. I think the biggest question is, you know, for Mendenhall could do a lot of things. You know, the problem with the ACC this year is you have four brand-new coaches that were all wildly you know, successful, and now you're trying to figure out what they're going to do at a new program. I think Matt Johns is not a great fit for what the QB, you know, Mendenhall is looking for um, in a number of different ways, and especially the number of interceptions that he had last year, which were, I mean, I, it was unprecedented. That was ridiculous. Um, I don't expect him to make leaps and bounds, or bounds improvements this year. But it does seem to tough for him to be worse than last year. I mean, it was abysmal, like how bad Matt Johns was. And the the backfield of the offense will be the strength of this program if they do anything this year because Smoke is good. I mean, that is a really good running back. Um, you know, he's starting to show, you know, improvement. He's living up. He had a five-star status when he came in. Dangerous catching the ball, not just, you know, he was t ranked in the top five, I think, of receiving running backs uh, going into to this year. I think that's going to be, you know, a big problem for us and something that we need to contain. So, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what's going to end up happening here, but, you know, they have no wide receivers. The offensive side of the ball is in trouble pretty much outside of their running back position. Yeah. I'm with you on – obviously, I'm with you on Mizzle. I mean, the, the guy is so dynamic. The 75 catches last year out of the backfield, uh, he's essentially their best wide receiving threat. Uh, but Matt Johns, I think, deserves just a little bit more credit because he completed over 60% 60 of his passes, had 20 touchdowns, 128 rating. While it's not good – it's not abysmal. It's not good, but it, he's a big guy. The second year starting, you know, I, I hey, I, I hope that he stinks. And 17 interceptions is bad. But the two games before I think we played him, he was starting to really come on a little bit. But he doesn't fit, they he have, doesn't fit the scheme that uh, Mendenhall usually looks for. No, like, and, and, yeah, I, and I hear yeah. you on that as well. Right. I, I, I get you. And that's, that's the big unknown is that – what will this new coaching staff um, will will they be able to build on these players' skill sets, or will they be too unfamiliar for that to be the case? All I know is that Mizzle is going to have a big year, regardless of coach, regardless of scheme. The guy knows how to play football. Olamid uh, Zacchaeus, another dynamic playmaker. I'm not even sure if he's a wide receiver or running back. He he does a little bit of both. Uh, 21 receptions. 216 yards receiving, 262 yards rushing. And at tight end, their breakout freshman, 
Evan Butts, uh, one of the best names in college football. Uh, he's back, and I think that he could be a really good receiving threat for them next year. In terms of true wide receivers, I don't know what to expect from any of those guys. Uh, they lost Severin, who caused us a little bit of anguish last year. Otherwise, not a whole lot of help there at wide receiver. Uh, they'll have a solid O-line. They get a combined 74 starts back. Uh, but they got the third new O-line coach in three years, similar to Tech in that way. Um, I don't think it's exactly the same in terms of years, but we've had a bunch of new O-line coaches, so we kind of know what that's like. Uh they have weapons on offense. I should say they have weapon. They have, they have mizzle. Yeah. But, uh, otherwise, yeah, no one's really blowing my skirt up too much. Oh, oh I think Zacchaeus is good. Um, defensively, I mean, Ruffin, Ruffin McNeil being a part of that defensive unit in general, that just kind of worries me. It should worry you. I mean, it's a little bit frightening. It, if they were returning more talent, then I would be more worried. But it's not going to be enough to. It's not in the twelve in the last game of the season. It's not going to be enough to contain what we've developed on offense. And as long as Ford and Phillips and Bucky keep doing what they're doing, if they build up some of the younger guys, I don't. I don't think it's really going to even matter. McMillan, you know, and the people coming up behind him, you know, the defensive line is it, it might actually be worse than the receiving core, which is garbage. So they're losing four starters. The real question is what Andrew Brown can do, but he's also coming off an injury. Linebacker it's a position of strength, I guess, for them. Um, Mika Kaiser, who I, I think he's actually a really, really good player. I think he's you know a stud and will likely end up in the NFL the way that he's produced. Um, especially the way this team's performed. And then, you know, you have, well, both Andrew Brown and, uh, you know, Quinn Blanding, both should be playing for Virginia Tech, but they're not. So at defensive back, you got Quinn Blanding coming back. And, you know, most people are pegging him at one of the, you know, top five spots almost in the nation. And everybody knew he was a stud. We knew he was a stud when we were going after him, and he chose UVA, unfortunately for him. Um, so I, I, I don't see a lot on the defensive side of the ball that gets me that worried this late in the season after we've had time to gel. No, and, and I hear you, but Kaiser and Blanding are, are – they're just beasts. They're both first team all ACC last year. Their defensive back seven in general uh, is pretty solid. Like you said, they're replacing all four starters on the defensive line, and Andrew Brown was a highly touted recruit who hasn't exactly played like it yet, but he had good guys in front of him. Kaiser and Blanding, I mean, those guys, they so many tackles last year. Combined, they had like 230 tackles last year. Uh, That is the fear. If, if, if you can eliminate those guys or one of those guys gets hurt before the last game of the season, like this defense is nothing special, but with the two, like really like all conference playmakers on your defense, it raises the level of everyone else on that defense. Yep. So I don't think the importance of Kaiser and Blanding can be overstated. They also have Bradshaw at linebacker and uh Rainey and Harris are both back in the defensive backfield. So like I said, the back end of the defense is strong uh, and Mendenhall is known for having good defenses. He kind of he's um, 
he kind of runs a three four, but it's really a three three five. At least that's what I I was I was listening to something about that the other day, and and based on his track record and the players that he has to work with, it's going to be a strong defense, uh, at least against the pass. I think we'll be able to run on them um, to the outside, avoiding Kaiser. Uh, Blanding makes a lot of tackles too when it gets to that second level. But I think they're some of their D like possess like they pose some real problems for us. That's that's all I'll say. Yeah. Well, I mean, then that's you know, I I agree. But he was also used to recording you know Mormons and trying to <laughs> get <there. laughs> older players. Yes. yes, yes. They usually are twenty three and twenty four. Mm-hmm. When they're playing for him, so there is a difference, there. right? So I think he he's going to have to adapt to the players that he's dealing with as much as they're going to have to adapt to him. So, and you know, maybe the last game of the season did they that has happened by then. So it's it's quite possible, but his learning curve is um, going to be just as steep as theirs are because you know that that has not existed with time cop in uh, UVA for, for a long time. I just think that this game is going to be an absolute war. I, I really do. I think the new coaches who I both have, uh, I think really high of, um, they're going to have the teams ready for that game, whether or not they have the Virginia ties to to call it a rivalry. They have their own rivalry because a couple of years ago in the Miami Beach Bowl, the BYU Cougars and the Memphis Tigers got into a brawl after the game, you, and that was a Fuente versus Mendenhall game. Was that the dick? Is that the dick punch? <laughs> I don't know if I it think, was the dick I, punch. I think it was, <laughs> but I know that. The uh, BYU players and Mendenhall might have been calling the Memphis players thugs and this and that. Um, I think there's a little bit of bad blood between these two coaches. And I think there's a lot of bad blood between these two schools. And a lot of these players know each other from high school. And this is going to be the most competitive UVA tech game in years. I know we've had some ones that were three points and this and that. But... I just think the the fire, a, a truly competitive game, um, will be back in this game. Nice, I'm ready for it. All right, you. you but want, I have it as a win. I have it. I have it as a win <laughs> as well. So, um, all right, you want all to right. recap this bad boy? Yeah, let's let's quickly recap. Um, let me tell you what I'm drinking really quick. Right. I'm drinking the balls to the wall. Oliver Brewing Company American Pale Ale. It's from Baltimore. I just found this the other day. Bright red can. It's called Balls to the Wall, so I had to buy it. And it tastes great. It's a 5% alcohol pale ale. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I I feel like I've had some other Oliver Brewing Company stuff, but this beer is delicious. A little bit on the bitter side for pale ale, but but still really, really good. Uh, Robbie, what are you having over there? Well, I uh, I'm going with the um, it's the brand new. I haven't seen it anywhere. Single hop, nugget imperial IPA, um, and it it's it's got almost a Pokemon Go uh, the logo on the front of it. Uh, quite frankly, it's actually kind of creepy. But uh, it's out of Maryland. Uh, we've done Flying Dog a number of times, and it's it's actually. 
pretty delicious, and I've never had it before. I picked it up quickly getting home from work uh, before we got here today, and I like it a lot. Say I the name again. It's called the Single Hop Series Nugget Imperial IPA. The Single Hop Series, I'm assuming, is a roll, you know, kind of a bunch of beers that they're going to roll out. So it's really the Nugget Imperial IPA. It's good. Out of Maryland. Uh, all right, let's talk about just our 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 record predictions because at the end of I guess spring practice and even before spring practice we talked about our record predictions I said 8 and 4 you said 7 and That's 5 right. and I'm I'm sticking with my 8 and 4 I have Tennessee as a loss I have UNC as a loss I have Pitt as a loss and I have Notre Dame as a loss everything else is a win 8 and 4 is my prediction I do think that we can beat Pitt. I do think that we can beat UNC. I think we can beat Tennessee and Notre Dame. But if you're asking me to predict the season, if we catch losses here or there, eight and four is my prediction. What do you think? I moved from seven and five to eight and four. My shift was pretty much the same. I had, I have almost the exact same wins and losses that you do. I think I have the exact same. I think. That Miami, I'm shifting to a win. Pitt is going to stay a loss for the third year straight, which is going to make me want to slip my wrist. But up in you know Heinz Field, I hate playing up there. I hate playing in Pittsburgh as much as you know I do enjoy you know the story um, about James Conner coming back. It's going to suck. And anyway, it'll be eight and four. Actually, the almost exact same wins and losses that you have. I'm just flipping from my seven and five to eight and four on the Miami game because after looking into it, I think we have a better shot there than I originally anticipated. And it's a home game, and I think Fuente will find a way to, you know, replay the last home game against Miami over and over again for those guys and get them hyped up for the game, even though it's on. It's a Sort of, it's a short week, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. Okay, I guess the last thing I just wanted to talk about very briefly, because we mentioned it earlier, is that this Coastal is really, it really comes down to a four-team race. UNC, Miami, us, and Pitt. I think we both agree on those four teams. However, the Georgia Tech wildcard, it can't be overstated. They... Like you said, on any given year, when you think Paul Johnson's not going to do it or he might be on the hot seat, all of a sudden he wins the ACC. So with respect to that, do you see that happening this year or are you giving it a firm no? It's just a four-team race between the teams that I mentioned. No, it's not happening. I I don't see it happening because he has to play all of those teams that – he has to – him against UNC, I don't see coming – well, UNC, Fedora, actually I could see that as being an upset. Him against Miami, I think Richt is at least going to put out a tough enough defense to handle that. I don't see it happening against Narduzzi. There's not a chance in hell that happens. So Narduzzi's too good of a coach to let that happen. And then it's up against Bud Foster. So – no, four of those games, uh, three of them, I don't think that they have a shot against. So, yeah, they yeah. may. Once you get three or four losses, that's that's it for you. You're you're side. done. But um, I I I agree with the thought process. 
I, I guess my thought is that the ACC Coastal is one of now becoming a really frightening underdog conference when you look at the coaches. When you take Mark Richt, when you take Fedora, when you take Richt, when you take you know everybody, Narduzzi, it's, it's just prime for giving big programs a really big headache overall. Even if they're not going to be competitive in the national landscape, you know they will cause trouble for a lot of people overall. Duke did it two years ago. You know, it's you know, Georgia Tech did or Georgia Tech and Duke did it two years ago and caused a lot of problems for people. UNC did it last year, and it's gonna it's gonna raise some hairs every time you go up against those coaches. Never mind their their teams. Yeah, I think the difference is that. With the new coaching hires and just the the profile overall is that the fact that Georgia Tech could keep doing that is on the basis that the Coastal never improved. It was always just kind of crappy, and they were able to rise to the top of that over and over again. Now with Narduzzi and Fuente and Fedora getting his thing going, it's, it's just not going to be that easy. And with that archaic offense that – teams are figuring out, especially with some of the defensive minds in this conference. Um, and the fact that Georgia Tech has to play Clemson every year, which this year is basically a surefire loss. It's it's just not looking good for Georgia Tech going forward. Maybe they'll surprise us again, but I'm with you. I don't see it happening. And you have Cutcliffe, right? Coming, yeah, I mean, he, you know, two years ago, he caused a lot of problems out there. So, you know, you have probably in my estimation, in terms of, you know, not in terms of total conferences, but in terms of, you know, east-west, north-south, you know, coastal Atlantic, you know, one segment that has probably now the potential to be one of the most solid, you know, off, you know, solid coaching staffs that's that's out there all of a sudden, and it all happened within a six-month time frame. Yeah, it's pretty wild, the coaching talent in the Coastal right now. it's We'll see if it bears out over the course of the season and the next couple of seasons. But right now, the names and, and what they've accomplished, is it's certainly a good collection of talent. All right, that's going to do it for the podcast. Uh, we covered a lot of ground, a lot of time. We may split this up into two, may just put out one monster pod. That remains to be seen. But in any case, if you made it to the end, thanks for sticking with us. Always hit us up with any questions. It's at 2DVT on Twitter or 2DVT at gmail.com. If you have time, write us an iTunes review. We always really appreciate it. And otherwise, I think that's it. Robbie, are you all good on your end? Yeah, I'm good. I'll send uh, I'll send a very nice note to anybody that wants to keep reviewing us on iTunes. We've been uh, starting to get some good ones. And with that, uh, until next time. Go Hokies.